Hey, Nelson, alcoholic addict. That's not my real name. That is a pretend name that I came up with for my sober newsletter because I like to try to protect my anonymity. And today, that's exactly the topic I want to talk about, anonymity. I was at a meeting recently where we talked about the importance of anonymity for an hour. And, oh boy, it was, it was very interesting to hear people give both their opinions and their experiences because guess what? Not everybody has the same exact opinion in sobriety about what the definition of anonymity is, what it means, how you live it. So that's one of the coolest parts of being in recovery. I've heard people, uh, I've heard them say it's a cult, it's brainwashing, and I just, I don't see that. I see a bunch of free thinkers, a lot of difficult people, including myself, that don't take (laughs) brainwashing very well. So um, I see free thinkers involved in a program that is basically 100% suggestions. There's no enforcement, um, and that leaves a wide range of opinions on any given topic. So so what I thought I would do today is throw out five scenarios. I made it like a pop quiz type thing, figure out what you would do. I'll tell you what my thoughts are on each, and I would love to hear yours if you respond in the comments uh, wherever you stumble upon this post. Feel free. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, including you can reply to email too. Just email me. Let me know what you think. But again, just to double down, say this again, these are just my opinions. They're not anybody else's. You know, whatever my opinion is, I don't really think there's a chapter uh, in any literature. I don't think there's a sign at any rehab that has my opinion on it. It's just my opinion. If you disagree, that's fine. I speak only for myself, not for any program. Um, Another thing, I have some scenarios here. I completely made them up. I use fake names. Uh, I had one that sort of happened to me before, but otherwise these are, everything is fiction. Uh, But you probably can identify with them. So what that means, if I use the name Frank or Heather or whatever in here, it's not based on someone named Frank or Heather. I made it all up. It's fiction. Uh, So, okay. Scenario number one. Some clown starts an anonymous newsletter about sobriety. (laughs) All right, my thoughts? That's a clear violation of all recovery principles. How dare he? I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm doing a sober newsletter right now, anonymously, uh, as we speak. So I've talked about it before, but when I was considering doing a newsletter, I I spent a good month or so soliciting opinions and reading recovery literature and all sorts of stuff online about the definition of anonymity when it comes to sobriety. And the decision I reached was not an easy one, but the decision I ended up landing on was that I could publish a newsletter if I didn't use my real name. And also, I try very hard to avoid talking about specific 12-step programs. I try to just talk about my recovery, and that's it. As I have said in the past, also... I've actually participated in four different recovery programs, some of which were 12 steps and some that weren't. And I also have participated in uh, different kinds of therapy over the years. So my experiences on sobriety are actually a combination of lots of things anyway. Um, So I don't think I'm really, no matter what, acting as a spokesperson uh, for any specific program. I'm spokesperson for me, and that's it. So now you might ask, did did I about doing a sober no- newsletter? And I honestly don't know. I go back and forth. I argue with myself about it sometimes to this day because I am talking about addiction and sobriety in a public forum. And it's tricky to know 
what the right answer is, whether that's okay or okay under certain circumstances or not okay. I, I don't know. Um, I'm at a place where I'm comfortable doing it, and so I do. All right, that was scenario one. Scenario number two, you're friends with someone named Frank, and a new guy, Biff, Biff comes into recovery, and you and Frank both become friends with him. Now, Biff is sober for a month, but then he relapses, gets arrested. He has a whole incident, and one day you run into Frank, and Frank says to you, hey, have you heard from Biff? How's he doing? All right, so my thoughts on this. This pops up quite frequently in sobriety. Uh, one of my favorite things about recovery is forming awesome communities of other sober people. And that means we look out for each other and we communicate frequently. Uh, and in this situation in the past, I would always feel a pang in my stomach about either kind of answer. You know, one pang was that I didn't want to be a dick and say to Frank, you know, that's none of your business, Frank. You'll have to ask Biff. Didn't really want to do that. I, and I also haven't wanted to tell somebody else's story for them. I did, um, Basic interpretation of what anonymity means is that that's his story. So I used to say, well, thanks for asking, Frank. Um, Biff's not doing great. You should give him a call, which is... Not that far off from the first answer, but, uh, you know, I guess in the spirit of helping someone who's struggling, telling a mutual friend, give them a call, check in, but not giving too many details, that seems like the spirit of it. I don't know. Now I basically say the same thing, but with like 10% more anonymity. I just try to say, oh, I talked to him yesterday. Give him a call. He can update you. You should get, get, get an update from him. Um, there's not a huge difference, I guess, between those two things, but I, I just try to go overboard on protecting your story. You know, it's your story after all. And unless you've asked me to be your spokesperson, I'm not going to be. Scenario number three, Biff stays, congratulations to Biff. He's been sober for six months now, and he posts a picture of his six month anniversary coin on Facebook, and he thanks his specific 12 step program. All right, you see this a lot. Uh, my thoughts are it's a very on recovery literature that I have read. Um, as a reminder, the, the 11 tradition states that our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. So we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack and chew on. Uh, within this scenario. Uh, I'm going to tick off a few smaller conversations first, and I think my final answer might surprise you at the end. The first small thing is that I would say that social media didn't exist when these programs were created, obviously, and I would guess um, if I could read the minds of, of, of these people from the 40s and 50s who came up with basic 12-step literature, I would guess if we asked them told them about Facebook and asked them, is it okay to tweet or put on Instagram this this kind of thing? I think they would consider social media to be included in the spirit of the definition of press, radio, and films. So I think they would say, yes, though, no, that counts. That's publicly talking about breaking your anonymity. The second thing that stands out to me 
is that it definitely seems to apply to publicly stating you're in recovery. I reread the 11th tradition in the 12 and 12 book uh, not too long ago. And I got to say, it was pretty hard line about anonymity, like hard line in a way that it actually seemed like a sober newsletter might be going against the principle in some ways. And I obviously felt differently or else you wouldn't be subjected to reading this or listening to this right now. So I think like the question of, is this breaking my anonymity by saying it on social media? I think the answer from our founding mothers and fathers would be yes. You to keep going though. The third thing that I couldn't help but think about is there's a little bit of hypocrisy about this because maybe the most important thing to ever happen to 12 step recovery was a national magazine story in the early 1940s. Bill W. let a Saturday evening post writer into the world of recovery in 1941 and he fully participated, was very excited about a story um, that became a national sensation. It caused a huge spike in people seeking out 12-step help. Um, it vaulted the program. And I'm including a link in the written version of this newsletter, but it's from the official website of a certain 12-step program where Bill Wilson's enthusiasm for this kind of national press coverage is obvious. You know, there's quotes from him about it. He was excited. So I have a, sometimes have a hard time getting my head around that with then the guidance that was passed along a little bit later about anonymity. It's like, man, they went all in on a magazine story, and it had profound effect. And then then the, the 11th tradition sort of guides us in a different way, you know? Like if the 11th tradition existed, I don't know that they can do the ma magazine story. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting little comparison. So let me give you my final answer. My final answer is I don't have a problem. I actually do not have a problem with anybody posting their sobriety date. I, I like seeing it. I do. It helps me. Um, I think it helps spread a little bit of hope. And honestly, you know, if you got six months or three months or 10 years or whatever, you, you know, have a victory lap, dude. It's like, great. Congratulations. Um, I personally don't do it, but that's because I mostly try to avoid social media for lots of other reasons, including how it did in general for me. Um, the only thing that I have seen that I definitely think is not cool is when Biff, to go back to the scenario, Biff posts he has six months sober, and then he thanks 15 specific people from recovery who helped him get there. Um, I just don't think that Biff's roster of sober friends signed up for that kind of public acknowledgement. So I would definitely, like, if, if asked, I would say, hey, refrain from pulling other people in. If you want to stay, say you've been sober and you're celebrating an anniversary, have fun, man. Congratulations. All right, the fourth scenario. You are at a party and someone offers you a drink and you say, no thanks. And they ask why. Why don't you want a drink? What do you do? All right, my thoughts on this is, um, my first thought is, what's interesting is how few times this has actually happened in real life versus how many times I have heard people, alcoholics and addicts, worry about it happening in, in real life. It, I, I just haven't run into it much. I've mostly found that nobody gives a shit what you're drinking, how much you've drank, if you're drinking at all. Like Nobody seems to care. They care about what's in their hand more than anything in mine. But I have had 
uh, it happened a few times in 14 years. And my response, when they say, hey, do you want a drink? I say, no, no thanks. And if they say, why? I just say, ah, I gave up drinking. Nobody's ever asked me a single follow-up after that. They just shrug their shoulders, whatever. And I guess if they asked why again, why did you give up drinking, I think I would say something like, tend to, tend to drink a little too much, and the next day I regret it, and you don't need me drinking too much at your party. Something like that. Um, when this comes up, when this comes up solely through a, the anonymity lens, like you don't want people to know, um, I think that lies with each individual person. You know, if you want to say, if you if you want to not if you don't want people to know, and you come up with an answer where they don't know that you're in a program or went to rehab or whatever, awesome, go for it. Sometimes I go that route. Uh, if you want to say you had to go to rehab and now you participate in fill in the blank recovery program, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, like I'm pretty open about it myself. But some people aren't, and I think that's fine too. I don't think saying to your neighbor Doug at his party that you're um, in a 12-step program and that you're an alcoholic, I don't think that violates like the press, media, films, bar that, uh, that the 11 tradition starts with. Um, I wouldn't recommend going door-to-door at your office Christmas party. It's like saying what a raging alcoholic you used to be and that you have X number of days or months or years sober. I don't... I don't think that's worth it, but I do think if you're comfortable saying, I quit drinking because I realized I was an alcoholic and I needed help, go for it. I do. All right, last one. Uh, Scenario number five, you run into Biff at the grocery store. Biff is with someone you don't know, and you're excited to see your friend Biff, so you rush in for a hug. Is that cool or not cool? My thoughts are that I actually had this scenario happen to me. I've had it happen a Um, and given lots of hugs and it's been fine. I love seeing sober people out in the world. Um, it's always a mini little, little mini boost to my sobriety in the moment. It's a reminder that we carry our principles out into all of our affairs. So I don't just hug so-and-so at a meeting. I hug them at big Y too. Well, I've had to rethink that a little bit because in one circumstance, I started to head toward this dude, uh, for a hug And he gave me this look with like wide eyes and I can't describe it other than it just signaled to me, leave me alone, leave me alone right now. So I did, Uh, I backed away. I was aggravated to be honest. I was like, what's this guy's problem? Are we, are we not friends anymore? And then I was, then I started in on like, what a jerk, you know, screw him. (laughs) The next day everything got straightened out because he called me and he apologized and he told me what was going on. He said he was on his first date with someone and then they were going to cook dinner together. So they went to the grocery store to pick out ingredients to make a beautiful dinner together on this first date. Um, and he said, I didn't really want to explain why I got an aggressive man hug in the middle of the grocery store on this first date. And I, I completely understood what he was saying. You know, it was a good reminder that 99% of the time, the person in front of you probably is happy to see you. But that person also has an absolute right to their anonymity in all circumstances. And sometimes that includes anybody who is with that sober person. I really, I, I really don't want a sober dad to have to explain to his kids at the mall that he's an alcoholic and that I'm his alcoholic friend. Um, and let, you know, if he hasn't done that before, you know, like, I don't want to. That's why they, 
he he has to explain that at a mall, you know, that for the first time that he's an alcoholic, and that's why they just he just had a weird long embrace in front of Cinnabon. Like I, I, I don't want to do that, you know. I don't want to put somebody in that position. So those are some thoughts on anonymity. And one more time, just to be clear again, this is a wide range of of opinions on anonymity. Uh, mine has changed over time and gone. It's moved all over the place. So right now, mine is just one. It's just one opinion from that wide range of opinions. And I would suggest reading program literature on it, talking to other sober people, talk to somebody who has 20 or 30 years, ask them their opinions on anonymity, and then figure out what you're comfortable with. Then your opinion can be part of that wide range of opinions on anonymity too. So thank you for listening.